it is good to come together to worship like this, to to be able to sing. And man, that that last part of that worship song—I don't know about you—I could, I, I know some of you are throwing your hands up, and I can just sense God's spirit here at work. And um, it's like, okay, don't cry, don't 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 get emotional. And it's like, well, that's what the spirit does, right? All right, real men do cry, don't they? All right. I guess we can go with that. Well, hey, um, we are in the midst of a, a new sermon series that's called It's a Wonderful Life. And it's all about the truth that as God's people, it's, it's, it's basically the way it is. We have an incredible, benevolent, giving, generous God who is full of grace and mercy. And he has reached down to save us through his son, Jesus Christ. And having received that free gift of salvation, we're different. We are different. We have God's Spirit now residing in us, working through us. There's a process of spiritual growth called sanctification. That's happening within us. So we pursue this holy God through the help of His Holy Spirit. And so as we look into Scripture, we, there's one verse that's sort of our main verse that we're hanging on here. It comes from Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 and 23. It talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace. And as you, you read through all those things, it's like this is what God has given each and every one of us. And he wants us to grow inside each and every one of us. And he wants that fruit to be plentiful and he wants us to distribute that. But here's the thing. If you're following along, it's like, well, love, joy, peace. And you're thinking, oh, so today it's all about patience. Patience, that one's coming later. How about that? Okay. Uh, actually, we're going to focus on goodness. Because as I was praying about how to deliver this, it wasn't like, we're not just going to do that. No. What fits, Lord, with every week that's coming up between the beginning of November and the first Sunday in January? God, how do you want this to lay out? And, and it, goodness is where we're at today. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But before we get into what goodness actually means... I want you to think about this, okay? Have you ever in your mind sort of sat there and thought, I want to be like that person, okay? Now, I might say that and you're first thinking of a, a celebrity, an actor, an athlete, maybe somebody in a prominent position at work. You're like, man, I wish I was like that person, right? And typically, especially when we're younger, we idolize certain people. We maybe had posters in our rooms. And not that I had a Michael Jackson poster. No, I'm not trying to be like him, okay? And I took the brace off. This is my, what I got to wear. But maybe, who is it that you're like, I want to be just like that person? Did anything pop to your mind right away? Now that that person maybe did or didn't, now let me sort of change the direction here in that. I'm talking about the kind of person that doesn't have celebrity status or the money or the power but I'm talking, and this, this person may fit that category, but I'm talking about the person that, like, their character is just sets them apart. I mean, when they, they talk, it's like words of wisdom spill out of them. It's like, man, I love being around them. When they talk, it's like incredible. They say incredible things. Or they're super generous in, in, in how they treat you. Incredibly kind. Maybe they're patient. It's like you've watched people live a life of integrity, and you're like, I want to be like that person. I want, I want people to say that of me. Now, do you have a different picture of a person in mind, or is it the same one? There's a story of a gentleman, his name is Albert Lexi. 
Back in 1981, he was working at a children's hospital in Pittsburgh. He would clean and polish shoes for $5 a pair. Now, for the younger generation, basically, if you maybe would go through a train station or different places, hospitals, certain businesses, you would see these chairs high up on a pedestal, sort of. People would sit up on them, and then the guy would start polishing your shoes. And so this is what Albert did for $5 a pair in this hospital. He would, on occasion, from satisfied customers, receive a tip. He says he remembers one Christmas, he got a $50 tip. Usually it's $1 or $2, but that $50 tip he'll never forget. Well, Albert did that for many years, and as we all know, times change, and some things people just don't do anymore. So he decided it was time to retire from polishing shoes. So in 2013, after 32 years of polishing shoes, Albert decided to retire. He walked out that door that last day of the hospital, but here's the cool thing. The hospital said, we want to throw you a party. So the administrators, the nurses, the doctors all thanked him for what he did in his service there for 32 years and treated him like a king. It was a special day. But here's the thing. When he walked out that day, his influence did not stop. Let me explain why. During those years of shining shoes, he would take 30% of his earnings and give that to the hospital. There was a special child care fund for parents who financially couldn't maybe pay off some of the bills for their kids. So he was giving money to that fund, 30% of his earnings, plus all of his tips for those 32 years. In total, Albert gave $200,000 to that child care fund. That's the kind of guy I'd like to be like. That's what I'm talking about. When somebody's character spills out into their actions, you sort of step back and say, I want to be like that person. Am I like that person? I would hope so. But I love hearing stories like that. Of course, though, there are some of us who are like, I would be like that if I had money. I mean, if I was rich, I'd, I'd give it all away, right? Let me remind you this. Generosity is not about what's in your bank account. It's about what's in your heart. A lot of times we forget that. As we looked at this key verse in Genesis or Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-23, there's that word in there, goodness. And that word goodness, right away we probably think good and evil, right? We always think of the opposite. Like if there's war and peace, right? Or there's depression and joy. Well, there's good and evil. But that's not biblical goodness. Goodness actually means Generosity. See, it's not the absence of evil, it's the presence of something good, and that is generosity. I know as you look in scripture, sometimes you look at a word like the word love, and it has multiple Greek meanings. If you look at the word good in scripture, there's also a few different meanings. This, ver- this verse, and some of the others I've looked at, it's more of a, uh, a person who is generous, big-hearted, charitable with their finances. They are a they're a giver. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around, look at this, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And again, in this scripture, the word good means to be generous. 
You know, when we read this verse, and pastors have probably preached on it, we've probably read it in Bible studies, and we're looking like, oh, look, look what Jesus, he was doing good, yeah, yeah. But he was healing people, and he was tossing demons. It's like, yeah, we always like to look at those big things, and we skip right over the, that phrase, doing good. That was a huge part of Jesus' ministry. He looked at what we often see, the spiritual, supernatural needs of people, but he also looked at the physical needs of people as well. Who needs to be fed? Who needs to be cared for? His doing good was a way of being generous and helping those in need. And God is just as interested in helping those with financial needs and needing assistance as he is those who are needing supernatural needs as well. Helping to meet the physical needs of others is an act of goodness that Jesus did, and he still asked of his people to do the same. So whether the Bible tells us that, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is goodness, God is letting us know, I believe in this passage, that he wants us to be selfless. He wants us to be giving and using our resources to help people in their conditions that they're surrounded by. When I think about what the Spirit is doing here and working in ministry in, in us, I look at this and it's like he's sort of shifting the focus of, of maybe ourselves into the needs of others. Because we want to be indwelt with the Holy Spirit so that we get that love and that joy and that peace. But when we're with goodness, here's the thing, with every fruit, it's put back out there and reflected to others. And that's what goodness does. That's what generosity does. The fruit of the Spirit called goodness is a supernatural urge in each person to reach beyond himself or herself and meet the natural needs of those that are around you. When it comes to generosity, however, what do we equate it with? Finances, right? I mean, that's usually the first thing. It's like, as I actually started off the story with Albert, you know, and, and the money that he saved up. So when we talk about being generous, first thing you expect a pastor, especially to preach about is money, right? But the goodness that we find here in Scripture isn't just strapped to financial things only. It's everything in how we're generous, how we show respect and courtesy towards others, mercy, showing mercy and patience. You can be generous in all these areas of life and not just finances. And here's how it starts, okay? Have I said that about five times? Here's how it starts. Here's how it starts, okay? With the fact that we serve a generous God. God is generous. Look at James chapter 1 verse 5. It says, if you need wisdom, ask who? Our stingy God? Our, you know, somewhat giving God? Our generous God. He'll give it to you. He'll not rebuke you for asking. See, when we are living by the Spirit, we are replicating. We are reflecting a generous God. When people see you, they should see God in you, which is that of being generous. Now, I'm going to give you three ways in which we can all attempt to be more generous than what we already are. Again, you might be in here this morning like, I'm super generous already. Excellent. Keep it up. Let me give you a little bit more, okay? Because we always have a little bit more. First one is this, about a giving of your time. 
You know, we often say, I don't have time to get involved. I, I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to help. I'm really busy. I know we're all busy. Matter of fact, often that people say to me, it's like, hey, sorry to bother you. I know you're busy. And it's like, it's okay. We're all busy. You're not a bother to me. Feel free. Give me a call. Send me a text. Whatever. Here's the thing. The question is, how are we with managing our time, our habits? If we were to carve out certain things in our lives, say, I really don't need to do that. Guess what? You have a few more seconds. You have a few more minutes in which you actually do have time where you can serve or you can help others or you can spend more time in devotion with God. One of the, one of the ways, the best way, you know, you think about this. How do I give my time back to God? How about spend time with him? That's a great investment. The more you spend time with him, the more he pours into you, the more he does in your life and changing you spiritually. That's a great investment, a great way to to give back. And here's the thing. God gave us all the same gift, by the way. I don't have an insight into your life. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen when you leave this place today or what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. But I'm just going to make this general statement. All of us have been given the same gift. That is, we have all been given 24 hours to live here. Okay? So here's the thing. How are each of us spending our 24 hours? We've all, we were, every day, each of us gets 24 hours. You wake up, I got 24 hours till the next morning, right? So what are you going to do with that time? Luke chapter 17, I love this scripture. It says, we're told that Jesus entered into this village. He comes to this village. There's 10 men with leprosy. They're standing at a distance. These 10 men call out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. We've got leprosy. You know, he knows there's, and here's the thing. If you got leprosy, you are unclean. You cannot get into uh, your family, the church, anywhere. You've been isolated, okay? We all know what it means to be quarantined and isolated. These guys have been isolated from everything, and you're called unclean, right? So here they are, off themselves, and they just want to be healed. We want to be put back into society. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest, because that's what you do. In order for you to be reinstated, so to say, and to be shown that you are healed from leprosy, you go to the priest. The priest looks at you, declares you unclean, you're fit to go back, right? So off they go. They're walking off to go see the priest. Jesus said, go, tell, go see the priest. He'll tell, tell everybody that you are now clean. So as they start to walk, they realize we've been healed. We no longer have leprosy. Jesus heals them, right? Check this out. One of the ten, turns around and comes back to Jesus and says, thank you. Now, that could be a lesson on Thanksgiving, right? But I also saw it as this. I saw it as one person that said, you know what? I need to take time out of my walk to go spend time with Jesus and say thank you. All of us have time in which we can get back to Jesus and say thank you, right? There's another story. You'll probably be reading this in Matthew chapter 2. The wise men that traveled to see Jesus. You know, a lot of times you look at the nativity set, you see the shepherd, you see the wise men, so forth and so on. You know, we, as we know the story goes, though, according to scripture, the wise men were astrologers, they see the star, they start to the travel. They finally end up where the king is. And he asks, where's the real king? King Jesus, right? He doesn't like that response, that question. But then they eventually continue on to look for the star 
follow the star. And then when they did finally come upon the star, it was in the house, not the stable. It was in the house where Jesus was a toddler. I want you to think about this. How much time did these wise men give up of their life to seek Jesus? Years. They took time out of their life to seek Jesus. What we do with our time, I believe, is a way of giving thanks to God. I'm seeking you out. It isn't just I'm taking time to serve, but I'm taking time to worship. And I'm taking time to seek you. That's a great way to show how grateful you are and how the goodness of God is working in you. Here's the second way. Giving up our treasures. This is probably the one everybody's like, yep, this is the one right here. I knew you are going to come to the money part. Yep. Because if you continue the story of the wise men, what happened? It says in verse Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, it says this. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Listen, it goes on to say, and they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I love it. They had a treasure chest. You keep expensive things. You keep your treasures in treasure chests. And they took of what they had, their treasure, and they gave it to Jesus. Yes, this is now we get into the thing of how else can we be giving? How else can we show the generosity in us? How can we show the goodness of the Holy Spirit working in us? It's by giving away things that matter to us, things that are of value to us. I've never heard somebody say, well, I gave away this expensive thing and I regret it. Usually when people give, they feel good. Like, that felt good to give that away. John chapter 12. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 12, please. We are going to read this story. John chapter 11. You guys remember the story of Lazarus? The, so, such a good close friend of Jesus and his sisters Mary and Martha. If you remember in the story, Lazarus died. Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead, right? Now this is the next chapter. The story continues. They're now at his house and they're eating. Dinner's getting prepared and Jesus honored says... Martha is serving. That's what Martha did, right? Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Look at verse 3. John chapter 12. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple, who would soon betray him, by the way, said... That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. You know, while Jesus is, is teaching others and spending time with his disciples and the people that are in the house, where's Mary? She's at the feet of Jesus. And she takes that jar of expensive perfume and just pours it all over the feet of Jesus. And she's using her hair to wipe it and then the fragrance is filling the room, right? And you think about that special moment. One of the disciples is like, that was a waste of money. We know where his heart is already, right? But what does Jesus say later? Well, actually, we'll come to that. What, is, what was the value of this gift? So I was looking this up. It said that in the day of Jesus, a denarii was worth one day's wage. Translated in modern terms, that will say minimum wage at $10.50 an hour. That's about $84, okay? Now, it was 300 denarii, so 300 times 84 puts us at over 
$25,000. That's expensive perfume, okay? So men, when your wife or, you know, somebody comes along and says, I'd like a bottle of perfume for Christmas, like, <clears throat> how much, right? Um, is it 25000 or, you know, I, I, look, those, those jars about this big are like 80 bucks. There's like 80 bucks for that? How about 25000 How much did she love Jesus? That's a treasure. That's high value. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, this is, there's some stories that you'll find in multiple gospels. He said this about this moment. He said, this woman, I tell you, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be known by all. We're still talking about her 2,000 years later, her act of generosity. Acts chapter 4, read the story of Barnabas. I would encourage you, sometime read through the book of Acts 4. When you're reading chapter 4 of the book of Acts, you're going to see how God's Spirit came upon the church. The church all of a sudden was like just changed. They're praying. They're reading scripture. They devoted themselves to all this together. And as they were devoted together to doing the same thing, God's spirit started working in them and they became very giving towards others and each other. Barnabas is one of these guys whose faith was changed. And I love this. It says the Holy Spirit was basically planted into their hearts and the fruit was being grown in them. Barnabas sold some property and what did he do? He gave some of its first, he gave it to those who were in need. Prompted by the Holy Spirit, he gave up his treasure. And I'm sitting there saying, I've seen that. I've seen that. In our food pantry, every Thursday, people come in for a warm meal, they get a box of food, now they're getting a box of food plus a lot more. But here's the thing over the years, I've seen people who come to our food pantry on a weekly basis or a monthly basis come back in with a bag of hats that they knit and say, I just, do you think other people could use these? Absolutely. I've seen other people who come to our food pantry that maybe they go to another food pantry and maybe they get some canned goods. It's like, we probably won't eat this, but I know you hand it out here. Could you, do you want this to give to other people? Absolutely. Just a couple weeks ago, uh, somebody came in and they had a brand new iron. They're like, we just got an iron. We don't need it but maybe you can hand out here. See, what's happening is people are being blessed. They're being given and shown generosity to, and in return, they're like, we now want to bless others. I've seen somebody from this church who sold some property and they gave of its first fruits back to a ministry. I see it often where people are like, God's blessed me. I want to bless somebody back. See, when we're generous with our time, when we're generous with our treasures, we become more and more like our Savior. Acts, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And the Lord, who is spirit, look at this, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. The more that we, we have this fruit growing in us, especially the goodness, the generosity, the more we look like Jesus Christ to this world. Yeah, there's, you know, sometimes it's like, when we want to tell people about Jesus, sometimes you can just show them Jesus by the way you live. It may be easy to talk about giving our treasures, right, or giving things or giving money, but honestly, it is, it's hard. (laughs) Can we be honest with each other? I mean, because sometimes that little selfishness kicks in, greed kicks in. It's like, I really want to be a giving person, but 
boy, I really like it when my bank account actually has something in it. It's hard to give it away. You know, we're told that once we surrender to Jesus Christ and we, we place our faith in Him, we're, we're, we're supposed to get rid of certain things. Paul says this, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 5, he says, put to death. And that's strong language, by the way. He doesn't say put it in time out. He doesn't say just set it aside. He says, put it to death. The sinful, earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Look at this next part. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiper of the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Paul's like, listen, you're a Christian now. Quit loving all the things in the world. That's not a good place to be. Verse 11 goes on to say this. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile, uncircumcised, circumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, free. Listen, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. See, as a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ is in you. His spirit is in you. Therefore, we no longer need to be greedy. We can be good. Because the Spirit is working in us. But you know what? It's still hard. You know what? Because there's a battle still going on within us spiritually. I recently read this. As prosperous as the United States is, 85% of Americans give away less than 2% of their income. And that number is the same for evangelical Christians. According to a recent study reported in, in Relevant Magazine, only 10 to 25% of people in a typical American church give money to the church, tithe. A biblical starting point of giving is typically, say, 10% to give to a church or ministries or to God's kingdom, right? But the same report concludes that if, listen, if 75 to 90% of the church, of Christians, began to tithe regularly, think about this, if 75 to 90% of the church tithed regularly, This is what would happen. Global hunger, starvation, death from preventable diseases would be relieved in five years. Additionally, illiteracy illiteracy could all be eliminated. The world's water and sanitation issues could be solved. Overseas mission work could be fully funded with $100 billion per year left over for God's ministry. If the church decided to give. That amazes me, right? So if those stats are true, why is it so hard to be generous? Because there's a battle going on spiritually. Paul said this, Romans chapter 7. He said, I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that's at war in my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is so dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. See, being good, being generous is a fruit of the Spirit. I know I should be giving, but it is challenging because my sinful nature is at war with me at times. And sometimes we ask that question, well, how much am I supposed to give? Well, that's probably debatable amongst churches. Somebody say, well, it's 10%. Well, give generously, give joyfully. 
Give whatever you can. Give beyond. Where's a good starting point? I, I would say this. The best thing I would say is give sacrificially. Give selflessly. If you want to start at 10%, start at 10%. That's where we start in our family. 10% off the income, boom, right away, right to the church. Just no question. And from there, we give wherever we can give. I love how Mark chapter 12, verse 41, open up your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. If you can sort of imagine this scene, okay? In the temple, they didn't have offering plates and ushers. They actually had boxes that were along the walls of the temple. So when you came in and you were to get a give spiritually back to God, you put money in the box that was along the wall, sort of like what we do. Look at how this starts off in verse 41. Jesus went over to the collection box in the temple and sat down and watched the crowds drop in their money. Can you imagine you coming here on Sunday morning and Jesus sitting back by the blessings box? And you're like, uh, just a second, I think I got a little bit more Jesus, right? And some of you are like, I'm going to stop giving online because I want to make sure Jesus sees that I'm giving here, right? I'm glad he isn't sitting there, but here's the thing. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped in two pennies. And Jesus said, that all you got? No, it's not in there, but I want to see if you're paying attention. Okay. He he called over to his disciples. He said, I assure you, this poor widow has given more than all the others have given. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. He's he's basically pointing out, he says, guys, I know we've been sitting around here in the temple and you've probably seen people come in and give, but did you just see what this poor widow did? She put in those two small coins, right? Judas, pay attention, right? She put in those two small coins. That's all she had. That's the heart of a believer. She gave generously. She gave joyfully. She gave what she could. And I think that's maybe a good starting point for us as well. Final and third point is this. Give of your talents. Give of your talents. The best way I can explain this point is to say, think about the gifts that God has given you, your, your talents, what you are good at. What is he asking you to do with who you are and your skills? Where has God put you to work at? Where are you at in your school? Where are you at with your teams? What gifts are you good at that he's given you? It's like, I want to give this back to God. I've been reading in the book of Esther, and I was amazed how this young woman who loved God stayed silent for so long. See, when she went to the palace to be the queen, it was years before she revealed to the king that she was a Jew. It was years. And I'm sitting there thinking... In all that time, she finally came to a realization that you see on the scripture when Mordecai came to her and says, if you keep quiet for at a time like this, deliverance and relief from the Jews, it will come, arise from somebody other than you. But, but here's the thing. He says, maybe you were created for such a time as this. It's almost like it was a wake-up call for us. Like, you know what? I'm here in the palace. I've got opportunity. I've got a position. Maybe I can use it for God. Maybe that's you. I, I remember there's a young lady in our church here who, when she was in seventh grade, she went back to her team and, and she's like, I'm on a team. What can I do for God with this besides use my skills? You know what she did? She like started to pray with her team. And she started a little a huddle with her team. And then after every ball game, she would pray and then more kids prayed. And it's like, that's what you do. And I'm sitting there thinking a lot of times when these teenagers, teenagers, when you're in your, and you make a choice to live for God, I know it's challenging, I know it's hard, but the question is, who's going to lead your team in prayer? 
Who's going to say no to that hormone crazy boy, right? Who, who's, you know, you're sitting there thinking, but my reputation is at, at stake. I know that. And knowing that your reputation is at stake, you need to choose obedience over reputation every day. And it may not equate to a social status like on your feed. But you know what? It may result in persecution. It may result in comments. It may result in isolation. You will be made fun of. You are the, oh, you're the Christian girl. Or you're the Christian guy. You'll be maybe rejected by your peers. But here's the thing. God will stand in heaven and the angels will stand and they will applaud you on. And all the saints that have gone before will cheer you on. Because you are being obedient over reputation. Listen, all of heaven sings and cheers for you. Don't ignore the voice of God. This is your moment to give back to God, whatever your gift is. If you are a singer, sing for him. If you're an artist, be artistic for him, whether it's drawing or creating things. If you're a writer, write for God. If you have a position at work in which you can give back to him, give to him. Listen, you were placed on this planet for a purpose. Your DNA, your zip code, everything about you, your ethnic background, your address where you live, God's given you that for a reason. Use it. It's not an excuse why you can't do things. It is your place to do something for him. To be fruitful is to grow in the goodness of God and you give him your time. You give him your treasures. You give him your talents. Where do you start? We're going to wrap this up with these thoughts. First of all, whatever you have, God gave it to you. So first of all, it's not yours. So start with the fact that whatever you have is not yours. Your time, your treasures, your talents. You don't own it. It was given to you by God. You're just a steward. Start there. Second thing, pray for. God, how can I give my time? How can I give my treasures? God, who can I give to? Who should I give to generously? How can I use my gifts for you? Pray about it. Washington, D.C., I'll never forget. This was many years ago. We were walking through the streets. A gentleman came up. His name was Nolan. I'll never forget Nolan. He was a homeless man who was hungry. Met him. Nolan, you know, what can I do for you? I'm hungry. Well, let's go grab something to eat. What's your name? Nolan, Nolan, I'm Rex. Let's go grab something to eat. We went to grab something to eat. I felt called by God. Go feed this guy. Fast forward many, many years later. I'm in North Carolina. Run into another guy in a parking lot. He was hungry. Looking for food. Here's a grocery store. Let's go and buy some groceries. Went and bought a bunch of groceries, a couple bags. We're walking out, and he takes those bags and say goodbye. God bless you. As he's going down to, he said, down by a river where he's got a little homeless shack and, and so forth. And then I go to my car, and something felt weird. And I was like, this doesn't seem right, but all right, God, you want me to do this, I think? I don't know. And I look over, and there he goes over in the other part of the parking lot, meeting up with a couple more guys, throwing all their bags in the back of a nice, shiny red truck, you know? And it's like, ah, did I just get scammed? Possibly. See, I don't know. And my problem is, because some of you and I have maybe been burned before, we, we hold back a little bit more like, I don't want to be generous because who knows what's going to happen, right? That's why we pray about it. Whether it's you get burned or not, it's not, a, it's not about you. It's what God's asking you to do. But you won't know what God's asking you if you don't pray. So God, what would you like me to do? Worship team, would you come forward, please? We give because the goodness, that fruit is in us from a generous God. I'm going to give you one more opportunity here, one more, an idea of how maybe you can be giving. And I'm going to show you how we're going to be giving to you and do this together. First thing is this. 
There's a book called Preparing Room by Susie Larson. It's a, it's a daily devotional. It starts December 1st. If you open up chapter 1, December 1, read Luke chapter 1. And it's 25 days, or 24, I'm sorry, because there's 24 chapters in Luke. So you're going to read it all the way to Christmas Eve. There's a, there's a message in there, and then there's a challenge at the end of each chapter. We're giving one to every single family. As you know, every month in December, or every December rolls around, we try to be the church and do something together as a church. This year, we're getting everybody in the church a book to read as a family. And if you're like, I'm just visiting today, please take one. We want to try to unify our church. You know, we talk about giving of our, our, our time and our talents and our treasures. But here's the thing. I, I want you to take some time and give it to God. As a church, we're going to go through this together. We're going to read through Luke together on a daily basis. To unify our church spiritually. To grow together spiritually as a church. And so we want to show generosity back to you and thank you as a being an incredible, loving church that you are, but let's continue to grow spiritually. That's my first challenge to you. So on the table on the way out, grab one per family. Okay? And let's, let's read this together. Here's the second way. You, if you want to be giving with, with, with your treasures, um, we also want to be helpful to those with special needs this year. Sometimes it's single parents. Last year it was single parents. This year it's those with special needs. Um, there are many in our county that have special needs. Matter of fact, I think, Heather, is it just in, in Wauseon? Is it 50? Is that our number? 75 in Wauseon. And we're doing Fulton, Fulton County. And how many do we have back there? I got you on the spot. 58. I keep thinking 57 for some reason. 58. So there's, I'm sorry, say it again. Yep. 58 individuals who live outside their family unit. So we're going to bless those with special needs, 58 of them. There's little ornaments on the little thing out there. And Heather will probably be back there. Carrie may be back there to help you sign up. Basically, you can take an ornament and, and go love on somebody. And they'll explain how you can uh, be a blessing to them at, at Christmas time. Just the way of one of our ways, one of our churches wants to be the church and show the goodness of God. This morning, as you, as you leave this place, I hope and pray that God has just put upon your heart, you're a good and generous God. Now, how can I reflect that to this world? Would you stand? And I want to pray, and then I'm going to have you be seated. But you stand with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are, a generous God, a, a giving God. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are, your many blessings. And God, now we just we just want to we want to reflect that. We want to show the world that you are good and you are generous, and let it be seen by how we spend our time with you, with others, serving, helping. Let it be seen by us giving up our treasures and, and our, our income or or things that we have that maybe will bless somebody else and help them. Let it be seen by how we give up of our talents, the, the gifts that we have, and say, you know what, I can use this to honor you, God, with, with the talent you've given me. And Yes, we may be ridiculed for it, but all of heaven applauds when we stand for you. So God, help us to be generous. Help us to be giving, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the mighty God that you are. In thy name we pray.